It's another Sunday night in comedy, and tonight we're going coast to coast, from Montreal's own Guido Cocomello and his new one-man show, to a Vancouver comic with an all-new album that gives us the millennial perspective. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. You know, this one-man show thing is a really great thing for comics, because we all have issues. You know, we wouldn't do this business if we weren't at some, <laughs> well said, very at well some said. level damaged goods. You know what I'm saying? So it's... Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to an all-new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and, of course, streaming coast-to-coast. Canada-wide on the Global News Radio Network, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you read Twitter troll comments since 1967. We are going coast-to-coast tonight, in fact. I got our uh, producer, Vince Tedesco, on the line. How you doing, buddy? Doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah, nice balance we have today. We we do. We have a nice balance. It's sort of uh, two generations of comics, two two comedy scenes. We're we're going back to Montreal a little bit this week. I know we were were kind of there last week. Uh, We're talking to Guido Cocomello, comedian, actor, definitely a mainstay headliner on Montreal stages. Uh, He's got a brand new one-man show that we're going to get into. And then a little later on, back out checking in on the Vancouver comedy scene. Uh, Levi's joining us. He's got a brand new album that kind of gives us the millennial perspective. So Vince, we're talking about manja cakes and millennials tonight. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's uh, a nice balance of, uh, you know, what do they call it? The yin and the yang? A little the bit yin of and the yang. We got, you know, a seasoned headliner. We've got an upcoming comic with some heat who's got dropping his brand new debut album, giving us a bit of an insight on, you know, millennial and gen z take on all the goings on in the world right now and what what he's talking about in his material right now so it's a good balance brought to you by hakeem optical helping you spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967 we are kicking things over to montreal first we have this comic hasn't joined us on the air in a while i think i want to say even pre-pandemic back when live live shows and audiences were were a thing uh but anyways well-known headliner in Montreal, comic, actor, brand new one-man stage show. We're going to get into that now. We got Guido Cocomello on the line. How you doing, buddy? Good, good, good. Thanks for having me, Dean, Vince. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So we do, I mean, you know, we got a lot of friends in Montreal. Inside Jokes has always covered the Montreal comedy scene a lot over the years. Of course, every summer, JFL, that's the big that's right. the big comedy event on the calendar, which thankfully right. started to come back now. Uh, we checked in with some comics in Montreal last week, but we wanted to pick your brain out. So you have this new one-man show, So right. I Married a Manja Cake, yep. <laughs> which I love, Guido, because oftentimes I am the only Manja Cake on right, this right, right. show. Uh, <laughs> from half of our guests to, of course, our producer and our engineer in studio, so I can relate to that. But what's give us a little bit of a lowdown. What's this? What's this show all about? What's some of the stuff you're tackling? And so I married a manja cake. So really what happened was, I mean, during the pandemic, you know, uh, my wife told me all these stories. I already had this title in I, I had this title since 2016. I thought this title was I had a title. I said I could create something around this. I don't know what. And during the pandemic, my wife said all these stories you have about your dad and me. And the first time you came to my place you know, to have a meal or 
you know, my wife is the manja cake, obviously, in this show. And uh, there's a lot of differences culturally, um, a lot of firsts for her coming into my family and myself doing some things in her family. So I put all these stories together and I watched a bunch of uh, John Leguizamo one man shows and um, Billy Crystal's um, HBO one man show, 700 Sundays. And I read books, I took some seminars and I kind of um, put this story together, which is basically, it's basically just a lot of the, a lot of the differences between our cultures, but also it was a gift for my father because my father passed away a week before our wedding, uh, nine years ago. And he had just turned 61 and we were in Italy with my wife when he passed away and uh, he would have been 70 this year. So I wanted to also kind of uh, write something as a gift for my late father on his 70th birthday to combine um, everything I've learned from him that I've now used as tools in my life right now uh, in raising my family and meeting my wife. So it's a combination. It's also, I think now people also need a lot of laughter and I think there's so much people are fighting and, you know, back's not, it's just a bit, it's going a bit crazy. So I want to write something that's kind of like, there's no, no politics, no nothing. I'm not preaching everybody. It's just fun. And um, also a lot of the uh, elements that I've learned from my dad. So it's got emotion in it. It's, it's really funny, but the through line, the story is exactly from where I was in my life before meeting my wife to, yeah. uh, to what made me pick up and move to LA. So all that, all the, between my dad's life. Also, I, I touched on my dad's funeral, uh, how that made me feel, um, finding out I was going to be a dad um, a few days after he died. Uh, so it's it's like a, a play, but within the play, there's a lot of, um, a lot of comedic moments about the, the differences and about a lot of the lessons that my dad um, gave me and also my father-in-law. So you get the lessons from the Italian and then when my father died and my father-in-law kind of picked up the mantle, but in his own different way, you know, very calm, very, you know, the cottage, very, you know, completely different from the aggressive nature and the attack mentality nature of uh, the Italian fathers or my dad. Anyway. <laughs> wow, this should be like a movie, Guido. Yeah, right? yeah. right? Call Paramount or uh, Warner Brothers. <laughs> like, Jesus, that's beautiful. Well, and it well, is, that's, uh, you know, the... It is, it is funny too, Guido. I mean, coming up in that Montreal scene, we were talking to comics about this last week even. Montreal is this very, it's a very unique scene in Canadian comedy because, you know, Vancouver, they're just out on the West Coast doing their own thing. Toronto is, of course, sort of that launch pad. Everybody comes right. here and tries right. to you know, get those right. big credits and move on kind of a thing. Right. Montreal has completely its own, it's like a comedy gumbo because even when you take away just for laughs, I mean, just the scene in Montreal itself, it's, it's like three different scenes that sort of come to a head together. You have the Anglophone scene, you have the French Canadian comedy, and there's a huge, huge, huge Italian comedy landscape it's, out there as well. You know, I haven't been, I, it was the first time I come back uh, to Montreal since the pandemic, obviously it was two years, but even before then I haven't performed here in the local comedy circuit. So it's been like four or five years. And when I came, the whole you're right the whole circuit has changed there's new people that are that are in charge like Sid Kular and my friend uh Ali Mohammadi they're doing great stuff in the community great they're putting on great shows great venues and it, it kind of pushes the comics to be listening if we want to be a part of this we need to step up our game and I think because a lot of the comics are seeing what these other producers are doing, how they're doing it, they're now taking it into these little communities, into the into the Italian community, or into. So I think they're learning from these people. I think 
what I see a lot, of, a lot of the comics, what I've seen now is like they're kind of learning from each other and they're doing their own thing um, I, at a higher, um, at a better quality than um, they did before I left. It's really impressive. I'm really, uh, I was really impressed with the community, the comics, the organizers. Uh, um, I think uh, the Canadian, uh, especially Montreal, I mean, Canadian comedy, obviously we're, we're great. I mean, it's been proven over and over again, especially, you know, but they all moved to the States, like you said, but in Montreal, what they've done in this community in the last few years, what I've seen, it's going to be, um, it's pretty impressive. And I think we got a lot of great uh, young comics in Montreal. So you're right. There's a lot of different scenes. And if you could, I know comics that do shows in the English circuit and then go to the Italian, uh, Italian, it's not in Italian, but you know, it's more niche for the Italian people. Yeah, those characters and those stories. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they could do the French. So it's really, um, uh, it's really great for artists who want to explore a lot of things in Montreal. I, I really think it's it, it's really picked up, and I'm really happy to be back and and witnessing this. I think they did a great job. And there is something about you know that Italian Canadian comedy, and that those audiences really really gravitate towards that, relate to it. I mean, here in Toronto, we see you know Sebastian Sebastian Maniscalco comes into town, and you see the entire Italian community, like basically all of Vaughan and Woodbridge unloads into the theater in downtown Toronto to come out and watch this guy because he's speaking to something they relate to. Right. Like, this is our family. This is how we grew up. This is the way we talked. And there is something really, I mean, and Quebec is no stranger to that. I mean, French Canadian comedy, it's such a huge cultural preservation thing. Right. The Italian oh, community, yeah. same thing, man. These audiences come out in droves. You build this huge following. And I think what I've seen, you know, because I've been part of, you know, Ralph Butino, you know, the bad boys of comedy. I mean, he really, I mean, he does great comedy. And I didn't want to do comedy because, you know, there's a lot of comedians who do, like, you know, my buddy Guido Grasso is one of the kings of that. Uh, you know, Ralph Butino organized a show in Montreal for that. So I didn't want to do comedy because I've seen a lot of them do it, you know, like my friend Guido Grasso, Joe Vardy, uh, um, you know, all those people do it at such a high level that it's kind of like, my, my opinion was like, it's been done really great before. And I don't know if I could match that. But what I could do is take all my theater experience, my writing experience that I've learned and that I've had and maybe create and my performance experience, whether it's emceeing at weddings with Marco Ferry for 10 years or stand up for 12 or acting, I could combine it into a one man show. So it's a different way of telling our story um that they've never seen before so that's why i did it this way because i didn't want to do um like the other ways that other people did that they did at such a high level so i figured i would try to do it uh in what i think would be well suited for me and my talents which by the way you have a very interesting background for this show specifically and as far as comics go we're going to get into more of this theater stuff and sort of how you came came up we're going to come back with more guido cocomelo right here on inside jokes Hey everybody, this is Guido Cocomello from So I Married a Manja Cake and you are listening to Inside Jokes. Up and torn my manja cake, girl. My sweet little manja cake, girl. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby! Right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We are, of course, talking to Guido Cocomello about his new one-man show, So I Married a Manja Cake. And yeah, Guido, before the break, you were talking about how, you know, the that that Italian-Canadian 
comedy world that has its sort of own built-in audience and its own huge following because people sort of relate to this stuff. But for you with pre prepping this new one-man show, you know, it's a bit more, it's a stage show. It's a bit more of an event than just, you know, you're not going to just for laughs and doing, you know, an hour of new material. There's, this right. is sort of a whole thing that's sort of right. written and developed for this. And you have an interesting background. I mean, you, you did train in theater. You did train in acting. You, you worked under, you trained under Mike Nichols. Yes, I, I studied in, um, I moved to New York at, right after September 11th, uh, two weeks after to study at um, Mike Nichols, um, uh, the Oscar winner, Mike Nichols, he had a conservatory, a two-year conservatory that also really focused a lot on improv. Um, and uh, I just um, loved Mike Nichols and I thought whatever school he has, I definitely want to go to. And I learned a lot, met a lot of great friends that I'm still friends with today. And I was there for two years and that's, and then from there, I stayed in New York for the year. You know, I did a few off-Broadway, you know, little theater productions. And then I moved uh, back here to um, to pursue more. And then I, I you know, because your visa expired, I moved back here. But at that point, I quit. You know, that's all in the show. Like, I had quit my dream because, you know, you're, you go to New York, you study, you think, well, at that age, anyway, I thought I was going to be famous. And then didn't realize how long it takes or, you know, <laughs> grind. You know, I thought it was this easy. And then you move back and I went back to university. But while I was in university, uh, my last few semesters, then I started doing stand up, open mics. Yeah. And then I got back into, I was like, oh, this is fun. And then I did like a Steve Galuccio play at the Centaur Theater. Then that really made me like, I think I want to try this one more time, this acting thing. So then I took a Joy Elias comedy class. And he's the one that told me, he's like, I think you could do this. I think you have a chance of doing this. So Joy Elias, I mean, he's the king, you know, he's. He's our king in Canada to me, and uh, I uh, I just went full force with it, and then I um, I just you know started getting more involved, and uh, decided to was after just for laughs decided it was time to move to to LA with my family and see if I could um, do anything there. Well, and it is interesting because people you know a lot of comics don't realize how much of an overlap there is between those worlds, between the acting world and between comedy, because you are on stage, and you know there are those purists especially newer comics coming up, they always sort of thumb their nose at improv and sketch and all that. But I mean, Mike Nichols is a great example. All of us remember him, of course, as this Academy Award-winning filmmaker right. and director, but he started off, he was in comedy. He was a comedy right. pro. Right. Yes. Right? And in May, they did uh, the Kennedy, uh, they did JFK's, uh, they, were, uh, they, did, uh, they were the performers for, for his inauguration. Yeah, which I mean, people sort of forget that those, how much right. those worlds overlap. For you, I mean, how important is that for comics to really get out and try this stuff and get outside their comfort zone and, and try their approach? Because I mean, a lot of comics, you know, you're working stand-up comic, you go to- This is how I see it. This is how I see it. I say the more you learn, yeah. the better, the, the more you could, for example, and this is a total opposite example. It's kind of like, have you ever seen Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, Pumping Iron? Yeah. That famous, yeah. yeah. Remember at the beginning, before the credits roll, him and Franco Colombo were taking ballet lessons. Yeah. For the pose. Now they people thought they were nuts, but it brought something to the show that nobody's ever seen. Instead of just going, buh, buh, they they brought kind of a flow and a grace that changed bodybuilding. So it's like if you see the great kind of like that, you know, he 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 thought about something different. Um, to to use to have on, in his tool belt that can make him um, stand out, and I think yeah. at this point there's a lot of funny people. People, I think now because of the internet, 
a lot of people are getting comedy quicker than before. So yeah. the comedy now is not only just telling jokes. If you just want to write jokes, then you could be a writer. Yeah. But if you want to perform for 45 minutes headline, you I really believe you need to know, you need to get comfortable moving on the stage. It's also stage presence because people will feel calm if you're up there and you move. They're going to feel calm. And then it's not only about making them laugh. They're going to enjoy the whole the whole thing, you know. So I really think at least acting lessons. Improv, maybe not. But that was just because it was part of my theater program. But at least I think some kind of performance lesson, I think it would help for like, you know, hand gestures or, you know, a lot of comics that always do the same thing. And it audiences are smarter now than they've ever been because they see so much more comedy. So now's the time where I think we need to do these little things to kind of put us, you know, just make us stand out a bit um, because there's a lot of people now more than ever doing it. And the audience as well is, I mean, they're smart now. So they... I just feel it's important uh, tool. I mean, just learn everything, you know. Well, and, I mean, and a show like this, I mean, it's such a different animal because, you know, there's a big difference between, you know, going out with 20 new minutes and you walk into a club and you your whole goal is to just kill that crowd, just right. grab them by the throat right. and just go, 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 go. Right. Something like this, it's, it's, it's a whole other animal because there's jokes, but you're telling a story, you're painting a scene, you're painting right. a picture, you're walking them through things. It's being well, there's audio, there's video, there's everything. Yeah. We have the whole, whole light changes, there's everything. But this and, is what I think comes to do. The crowd in those moments right. in between too, right? right? Right. And this is what I tell, I've met a lot of, uh, I've told a lot of my uh, fellow comics here in Montreal that, you know, a few of them are kind of storytellers also, just naturally and i told them you know this one man show thing is a really great thing for comics because you know we all have issues you know we wouldn't do this business if we weren't at some <laughs> well said, very at well some said. level damaged goods you know what i'm saying so it's perfect for storytelling and comics obviously more you know that's, that's why we because most of them are good writers so it's a, it's kind of a, a natural it was a natural thing for me to do to kind of do a one-man show and blend all my worlds but still it's still just me. I don't have to rely on other actors learning their lines or, but I have a director, I have a stage manager, I have a lighting designer. So we still have to work together, but it's still kind of all on you. But like you said, it's, it's a lot of pressure because I'm doing like 75, 80 minutes straight. And it's not like we have time to put this out into an audience, you know, like a standup where you could go to open mics a bunch of times and bomb a bunch of times to then, but, the saving grace of this is that it's a one man and also a theater piece as well. So it's going to be up, down, up, down, and we'll see during rehearsal uh, what works, what doesn't work. But I've, uh, but the team around me, Tony Calabretta, my director is phenomenal. I've worked with him four times already. So there's a familiarity there. Our stage manager, Milva, I, I was in a movie with her uh, 10 years ago and we've been friends ever since. So uh, everybody involved it has, I've known, uh, you know, my co-producer, uh, you know, Salvatore Cioffi, who is in Toronto now. Uh, these are people I've known for 20 years plus. So it's, 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 uh, I'm a team sport guy and it's, it's nice to still have that team element in a project instead of just doing stand-up solo. It's nice. That's still me solo, but I get to have this team around me. And um, yeah, I think it's, uh, hopefully it's going to be received well. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident of it, but you know, but we'll see October 30th. Well, and it's such a honed, you know, curated thing. It's like, like you say, you're up there for 85 minutes. It's not like doing a set where, okay, if something's not working, you can just 
go after somebody in the crowd or you could go off right. the cliff and riff on something else. You're not just delivering material. You're, this is a right. honed curated workshopped thing that you're putting out there for your own audience. How much of a career highlight thing is that for you then? Cause th I mean, you know, this brings together your background in stand-up and in acting and on all the stuff you've done so far, but yeah. this, you, you probably wouldn't have done this show five, 10 years ago. That's a, that's an amazing question. Um, I was just talking about this last night because we started rehearsals last night. Um, and, and it is because I had the title. You know, it was funny. I was telling also my producer, I was like, man, I had this title for five years. I, this, was the sh this was the show I should have done all this time, you know? Yeah. But he said the exact same thing. He goes, well, you weren't ready five years ago to do this, you know? Um, it, it is everything I've learned, especially in the last five years in the U.S., with showbiz and I've took so many seminars as well, writing seminars and uh, seminars with casting, you know, directors. And um, the one man show concept is a huge thing here in the States for artists. I've never realized it's, it's, it's really big for artists that like to write and perform and produce. It's like a mini movie production, but live, you know, so yeah. Um, to me, to combine the 10 years I've spent emceeing at weddings with Marco Ferry, the, uh, all the years, you know, I've done at least 10 plays, uh, you know, equity plays at, at the Centaur Theater and LDV and also at the Hudson Village Theater here in Montreal, uh, in Hudson, Quebec, mixed with the training I've done and, you know, and then the movies I've done on set since I've been in California and all the stand-up I've done, I, if you combine it, it's really fun because there's sections of the, you know, the, even on stage, like the front section is just me being Guido, like stand-up version. I go walk yeah. back and forth. I have a long mic. It's going to be amazing. And there's the midsection where it's acting. It's like a real play. So Tony really made it. This is where you could be you a stand-up. This is stand-up Guido. Once you pass this line is actor Guido. And then once you pass this line, it's MC teaching the crowd Guido. So we have different of the three things I've done, the MC, the stand-up and the acting on the stage, Tony actually labeled them. So when you get into this zone, you don't, it's all acting. When you get in this zone, it's Guido going into the Guido stand-up. When you get into this zone, it's Guido MC. So it's nice to have someone that knows me so well, that's seen me do all of these as well, that he could just say, remember when you did this eight years ago? Yeah, do that. Like something like, so it's great to combine everything I've ever done. And you're right. This is the biggest thing I've ever tried to accomplish. It's not even close. Um, and it's the most, because it's also the most vulnerable I've ever been. And, um, you know, I've never written anything this honest before. Uh, so that's the scary part. But I, I feel, um, I feel like it's time. I feel ready to tell the story and, it's not, it's not like a crazy, it's not, it's not like woman, it's not, people are not going to come out of it, you know. <laughs> it's not one of those life-changing, because I still had a great life compared to a lot of people. But, you know, it's nothing like, how did he survive? It's, you know, it's just fun. You know, it's mostly Did you fun. know that um, a Bronx Tale was a one-man play? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. And yes. Robert, De Niro, Robert De Niro saw it in a production and wanted to make it into a movie. And Robert De Niro, so demanded, he directed that right. movie because he would do it right. So yes, exactly. Tarantino, De Niro, Chaz. If you're listening, Guido's got a project for you, buddy. <laughs> also, you know, what else down. you know which other <laughs> one was? Um, my big fat Greek wedding was a one man, was a one woman show. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That, uh, I can't remember last year, but yeah. October 30th at the Leonardo da Vinci Center in Montreal in beautiful St. Leonard, a place I'll be there this weekend. I'll be in Montreal this weekend, uh, Guido. 
Uh, directed oh, nice, thank nice. you, by the one and only Tony Calabretta. Where can everybody get tickets if they're still available, Guido? Uh, you could go to the uh, LDV site. There's only 30 tickets left uh, at a theater of 510 people. We sold already 480. There we go. Nice. So, nice. Well, October 30th, well, so Leonardo da Vinci Center in Montreal. LDV.ca. LDV.ca. Get your tickets. So I married a munji cake. Honestly. There we go. And Guido, I love it too, because I think that's, you know, that is the mark of a career comic. I mean, you've been at this a long time. You've done the clubs. You've done the tours. You've done the festivals. You've have your acting resume, you've hit different scenes, you've hit the road. We're in a time now where a lot of comics that are fresh out of the gate, they're like, well, it's easy to create an album and put it out onto the internet, so they just do that. But being able to look at your career and go, okay, I'm at this point now, it's time to bring all this together and do this thing. I think that's something we're kind of missing out in comedy now. Uh, Guido, we could talk to you about this all day, man, but people- I'm coming to Toronto as well, Toronto. I'm coming to Toronto. Okay. <laughs> He's coming to Toronto. Don't miss So I Married a Manja Cake. Get those tickets. 30 left only. Guido, thank you so much, man. Thank you, guys. I love yes, it. Thank I you. Love I appreciate it. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. We'll pump those tickets out there. They're selling out fast. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Hey, this is Levi Cashin. You're listening to Inside Jokes, the home of comedy. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and Coast to Coast on the Global News Radio Network. Thank you again to Guido Cocomelo out in Montreal. Don't forget to check out So I Married a Manja Cake coming up live on stage. Now we're flipping it to the West Coast, though, checking back in with the Vancouver comedy scene. We've got a comic with their debut album that just dropped. Levi McCatchin, how you doing, man? Doing great. How you doing? We're good. We're good. So we, it is, it's, it's a nice balance on the show tonight because we had, we had Guido out in Montreal. Of course, everybody knows the Montreal comedy scene, French comedy, Italian comedy, just for laughs, all that stuff. But he was talking about, you know, this is a couple of decades into stand up for him acting. Now he's doing this new one man show for you. You just dropped your debut stand up album, Illuminati. And I wanted to pick your brain on what is some of the stuff you tackle in this? Because it's interesting on this episode getting two kind of different viewpoints. I mean, you're a younger guy. You're, you've, been, you've been at comedy for a few years now. This is your debut album. And, you know, a comic like Guido has came up in a completely different world stand-up-wise from you. I mean, I feel like for, for a comic like you, there's a lot of really hot-button stuff going on in the world to tackle right now. <laughs> I mean, the comedy world has changed so much in the last few years because it's always a reflection of what's going on around us, right? So, I mean, it's, we're talking about cancel culture and gender politics and social politics and political uprisings and pandemic and all this stuff. I mean, how much of the, how political did you get in this album? Uh, I do, like, it's strange. I never think of myself doing really political comedy. You know, I, uh, I usually just, First of all, I want to thank you uh, for calling me a younger comic. <laughs> I, I do stand up in Vancouver where like so much of the scene is just 24 year olds. And as a 33 year old, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I'm getting on there. 
but uh yeah no i do get like a uh, fairly political fairly often my uh the head of the label dan dion he uh i got a quote for a press release i put out and i forget what the exact quote was but he said uh i have like political millennial observations that are seeped in white guilt yes that's exactly <laughs> what i was thinking of <laughs> yeah and i was like huh i guess i am seeped in white guilt i never really thought of it i was just thinking i'm gonna start a podcast called white guilt <laughs> but uh yeah no i do uh, i i do get it like I, I find, you know, especially as like a straight white guy, anytime you're getting into like the more political stuff, you just have to be like, first off, I know I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong about whatever it is. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, you know, it's, you get into political stuff. I These days, I, I'm never trying to like make a point, you know, I feel like everyone on the internet is trying to make a point or everyone just everywhere. And it's like, I, I'm not here to tell anyone what to think. I'm mostly just trying to be like, listen, I'm so confused these days. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm just, just trying to do my best, you know? Well, and I think, I mean, I feel like, you know, you're talking about those brand, brand new comics, those, you know, comics in their early 20s who are just coming up in open mics now and just starting out now. I think there might be a lot of comics coming up next who sort of are afraid to tackle any of that stuff because it's just sort of too hot to touch. Like, we just don't talk about this because it's not my specific experience or not my viewpoint. How important do you think it is in comedy still to just, I mean, it's supposed to start conversations, right? Not yeah. preach. I mean, there's a lot of, cause I mean, we live in the world of, you know, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. There's a lot of soapbox stuff that goes on. Everybody thinks that their viewpoint is sort of the definitive viewpoint and, and yeah. all that. But I think great comedy is really about just sort of taking the punch out of this stuff and, and getting people talking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I think the whole, like, uh, you know, these questions of like censorship and, and free speech, I, I think people think that's like a young person thing because it's a millennial thing, but I really think it's the Gen Z. I don't know, like from what I can tell, cause I do like, you know, I talk to younger people like cousins and stuff and you know, not trying to be too creepy talking to like 17 year olds or whatever. <laughs> but I do talk to these like, <laughs> you know, but I have like, it is interesting because I'm trying to get a, a pulse of where comedy is headed. And I'm on TikTok now and, uh, you know, just trying to promote my stand up there. And it, so much of the comedy there is like, you can tell people just don't care about, you know, being, you know, I hate to say it even, but the word woke or whatever. I, I really do think there is going to be a pushback. Because like every generation, they go like just because the definition of cool always has to be what old people aren't doing, you know, and as millennials are getting older and so much of our whole thing was like uh, preachy and, you know, like Louis C.K. said in his bit, like how, you know, so many young people these days are like, don't say that. And it's like, what are you talking about? But that was a reaction against, you know, Gen X and sort of baby boomers where it was like, oh, uh, you guys just didn't care about anything. They're so anti-authority. And so, yeah, I don't know. I Like, when I was younger, I really did defend millennials, but I do feel like millennials, we have too much HR department in our DNA. <laughs> and so I think people <laughs> are going to rebel against that. You know, like, I'm so disappointed in millennials. Like, you know, we had like a rough shot going into 2008. And I, I feel like that was why we got so like preachy because we're like, oh, you know, the whole world's crashing and this this world that we're promised to have of infinite wealth is disappearing. 
And so we just started complaining about everything, but without sort of any plan of action. And uh, yeah, I, I do think like younger comics, because if you go on TikTok these days and stuff, you find that younger people are just making all these jokes that, you know, you're not supposed to make these days. And they don't, you know, every, every race and gender, all these people just making fun of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I don't think this current wave of like, don't say that is going to continue forever. I don't think so either. And I mean, I think people, you know, we forget that what comedy is really supposed to be about is every comics, you know, this album is your specific voice. So you might tackle some of this stuff and talk about it. It's just you, you seeing that through your filter as a comic and you putting that stuff out on stage and, you know, get the audience reacting to that. And that's it. It's sort of, there, there's this there's this weird thing happening now where a lot of people are like this is the correct view and that's it and this is the definitive point and nothing else whereas with good comedy it's sort of like no I'm just this specific comic I'm gonna do material about this thing and you guys take that and run with it and you go from there uh but Levi we're gonna come back with more about this album and some of the stuff you're tackling and of course where people can download this because it is out now and like I, I've been saying this on the show for the last few years Vancouver is just like the comedy album factory lately. It really is. I mean, there's all these yeah, great yeah. stand-up albums that have been, you know, through 604 and comedy here often. Just that Vancouver scene, man, has just been for the last like four or five years just cranking them out, even pre-pandemic. Uh, we're going to come back with more Levi right here on Inside Jokes. What's up, guys? It's Mark Anthony Synagogue. You're listening to Inside Jokes. helping you stand six feet away from everyone you know and love and ivermectin there it not is a fan of, not a fan of vaccines no problem ivermectin the horse dewormer for you uh we've got levi mccatchin <laughs> out on the west, west coast with us brand new stand-up album illuminati is out now uh yeah levi before the break we were talking about some of the stuff you do tackle in this and again just you know just from your own viewpoint as an early 30s white man. <laughs> but you do good. I mean, it's so tough because, you know, we've, for the last year and a half, we've been so endlessly inundated with nothing but politics and doom and, you know, Trump and fires and pandemic and the climate is falling apart and all this stuff. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's this tough balancing act between, you know, do we just want to escape from all that in comedy right now? Or do we really have to address this stuff? Because that's what comedy is. It's, it's just a mirror on what's going on in the world. So it's just the ability to take that stuff, give them your viewpoint on it, but make it funny. We can't, that's, that's yeah. really what comedy is all about. I feel like we lost sight of that a little bit in the last few years where it's really at the end of the day, it's still just about the punchline. It's still just about letting people shut out real life for 90 minutes and, and be able to laugh at things again, right? Um, but we were talking about how, yes, yeah, so over the last few years, we've had this constant stream of great indie comedy albums coming out of the West Coast in Canadian comedy. You did this album with a label called 800 Pound Gorilla. 
800 pound gorilla records yeah so who who founded this what's this label all about because our listeners on this show are very well aware of 604 records and comedy here often what's 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 800 pound gorilla i do love that name though <laughs> uh 800 pound gorilla records um i'm not sure who founded them the uh the head of a and r which is the main guy i've talked to was dan dion and they're they're amazing label like so many of the comics that when i first was getting into comedy i really looked up to are on that label so i'm so stoked that like you know i've got label mates like rory scoville and uh like oh, chad right. daniels yeah, some uh, like amazing comics, and yeah, they're based out of Nashville, and so yeah, it's, I feel cool that I'm American. I'm an American label. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, the, that's the triumph of any Canadian comics getting to the states. So I'm halfway there. Well, it's interesting too because we have seen. You know, we were talking about this a, a little while ago with the stand-up scene that all of a sudden the last couple of years has really blossomed in Austin, Texas. So we're seeing these weird, we're seeing these new pockets of stand-up come up all over North America. And we're seeing a lot more collaboration. It's between Canadian comics and American comics. It's almost like those old days of you have to live in like New York, LA, Toronto, or Vancouver, and that's it. Those days are sort of gone in a way. You can really be based out of anywhere and you can really just sort of find your own audience and and there's a lot of new scene building going on because of all this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you look at like, like when I was first getting into stand-up comedy, the, you know, there's a sort of ethos. It's just like, just, you know, go out, go to shows every night and get better and just sort of wait your turn. And that is that like, that was, that's the worst advice you could give any comic now, you know, it's just like work hard, do stand-up every night. But like, yeah, you should get funny and do stand-up every night if that's what you want to do. But everything is about, like, it's so much about a digital strategy, you know? Like, I've talked to, like, show bookers who say, like, you know, unless you have a certain amount of followers, you're just not going to play our club. And so it doesn't matter how funny you are, you can get the, to be the funniest person. But, like, I've noticed that you can go and crush in a comedy club and people aren't going to go home and click follow on Instagram or whatever. And so... Yeah, if you can have a digital strategy, you could be based out of anywhere and gain followers. And so, yeah, I'm working on that, you know, working on like I'm putting together some new shows, putting together like some more sketches to put out on Instagram and TikTok. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it can be disheartening for, for certain people because it's like, oh, I had this, you know, this part of th this advice and this strategy and that's just not going to work. But then it could also be really exciting to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to focus on a completely different avenue, uh, you know, because if you're funny, you should be able to make all sorts of funny stuff. It is so true, though. I mean, those you know, the game has totally changed, obviously, the last year and a half, especially because people were at home streaming stuff. But I mean, the game has changed, especially in Canadian comedy. It used to be all about, you know, hitting the road, playing those small town gigs going out and meeting people firsthand and you know those sort of old school days of like regional comedy and the and the old school road dog the, like you said those days are kind of done because yeah you're based wherever you're based you have to have that online following you have to be able to put stuff out digitally because that's just where things are at now i mean you know live comedy will return to what it was but this digital part of things and building an audience that way that's really not going anywhere that's just sort of the way things are going to be from now on uh but levi before we do let you go uh of course where can people download and find illuminati and just follow your stuff online 
Uh, you can follow me um, on Instagram and TikTok, uh, Twitter, all at Levi McCatchen, L-E-V-I-M-C-C-A-C-H-E-N. And you can listen to Illuminati wherever uh, wherever you stream anything. It's on all of it. Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes. There we go. Pandora. Pandora. <laughs> and we're gonna give we're gonna give uh, we're gonna give the listeners a little little sample from Illuminati on tonight's uh, comedy RX. Levi, thank you so much, man. And also people should definitely check out 800 Pound Gorilla because it's always good to hear of these different comedy labels that are sort of have sprung up all over the place in the last few years. It's 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 an industry that's sort of catering towards the performers now, I feel like. A lot of the sort of gatekeeping has been pushed yeah. up. Today, so it's great to see. Uh, Levi, thank you so much, man. Everybody, make sure you check out Illuminati, his new album now. Check out 800 Pound Gorilla. Again, I love that record name. Uh, that label name. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again to Guido Cocomello and his new one-man show, So I Married a Manja Cake, and of course, Levi McCatchin. Check out his new album, Illuminati. That is our show, but don't forget you can listen to all of our episodes right back to the beginning on Global News Online. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx features Levi McCatchin. I am a white guy in Vancouver, so obviously date a lot of Asian women. And <laughs> sometimes people get like offended when I say that. They're like, what, do you have some sort of fetish? Do you have a fetish, you creepy weirdo? For Asian women, a fet? I'm like, whoa, no, I don't have a fetish. It's just that Asian women happen to be the last demographic of people that still like white men. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else, not our biggest fans right now. I don't know if you guys read the internet, but <laughs> we're not doing too hot in the polls. <laughs> white women get the maddest. I've had white women get really actually mad at me for just for dating Asian women. They're like, you're dating Asian women just because it's easier because they're nicer and they don't challenge you as much. I'm like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I don't know where white women got this idea that men like to be challenged, but we don't. 